Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome back to the Big Tilt, a Roto Underworld Player Profiler DFS podcast. I'm your host, Mike Randall. Follow me on Twitter at Randall Rant. We are headed into week 13. The playoffs are coming. You're jockeying for position. And for DFS, we're getting ready to take home the money late season after doing the research and following the trends and listening to the Big Tilt. You're ready to go. Don't forget, folks, we are sponsored by Underdog Fantasy. Use the promo code UNDERWORLD to get up to a $100 match bonus. Underdog Fantasy, a huge partner here at Roto Underworld, just the one best place to go to do your fantasy football work. And as always, I am joined by the man who told you not to eat the Miles Sanders chalk last week, Josh Larkey, Director of Analytics here at Player Profiler. Follow him on Twitter at tweets. Josh, don't eat the Miles Sanders chalk, but we may eat it this week. Yes, uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. <laughs> Mike, this is one of the best parts of the week. Uh, yeah. Love chatting with you. And speaking of underdog, I've got another good prop for everyone this week. It's Antonio Gibson. Uh, you you probably knew this. J.D. McKissick, he's been ruled out this week with a concussion. And Gibson's receiving prop is 22.5 receiving yards on underdog. McKissick's been over that in five of the past six games. I do not anticipate Jarrett Patterson taking this receiving work from Gibson when Patterson was not utilized as a receiver in college, is smaller, does not have any type of pass-blocking resume like McKissick has had. It Gibson's going to be getting that work. 22.5 receiving yards, that's not a large number. He's an incredibly explosive talent. And on top of that, the matchup, Vegas has a pretty decent pass rush. And Hineke's probably going to have to get the ball out quickly at times. Why not check it down to Gibson? So. Gibson over 22 and a half receiving yards. Now on to our DFS dominator. There have been some monumental changes to the lineup genius this week. We still have more that we're going to be rolling out the next few weeks, but this week, this is a big one. And the changes are currently live on the site. One of the big ones is we have new sorting options. You can now sort by base projection, upside projection for both the player pool and for your DFS lineups themselves, we have a brand new team sort option. This one is the brainchild of the pod father. Say that you're selecting Lamar Jackson this week. This is the quarterback you want to roll with. And you sort by team on our main menu. Now the player pool of running backs, tight ends, and uh, receivers is going to be sorted with the Ravens at the top the Steelers right below, and then the other teams alphabetized. That way, we're basically guiding you to understand you're probably going to want to have another Raven or two in your lineup, and you might want to choose who to force as the run back with the Steelers. 
And then the other big change is post-optimization. You can now hot swap out players. Say that you build a lineup. Uh, maybe we built a Cousins lineup this week. They're facing the Lions and we decide the Lions are dreadful. I don't even want a run back. And you see that TJ Hawkinson is in your lineup. You can now hot swap him out post-optimization. Choose a new tight end that you prefer and favorite that lineup and it's going to favorite it without Hawkinson in there. These are huge changes. We're excited for you to be able to experience them. It's going to save me even more time each week with these new changes. I'm going to have even better lineups. And then one other note for 2022, we're going to be adding Yahoo DFS, which is a a new emerging platform in addition to keeping DraftKings and FanDuel. I've been doing some quote unquote, uh, some, some experimentation on Yahoo with a, with an optimizer that I've cooked up took down their, their 3,500 person beginners tournament this past week, won a nice thousand dollars, then realized that I would have won a hundred thousand dollars if I entered this 214 point lineup. It's a half PPR platform, 214 point lineup in their main tournament instead. So some regrets there, but the good news is that this Yahoo optimizer will be coming to you for next season. So get excited. Folks, Josh gave me a preview of the Optimizer before we got on. It is sick. It is high-level stuff. Go on, check it out. If you're not using it, you have to. I cannot wait to put the kids to bed tonight and play around with this Optimizer. The up, the updates that Josh and, and Matt came up with are just sick, folks. I cannot wait. And as always, because we listen to the feedback that we get about the show, we are going to review the chalk this week. DraftKings FanDuel, who we project to be the chalk. Sometimes you want to fade the chalk. Sometimes you want to eat the chalk. I'll start a quarterback, Josh. DraftKings FanDuel, every week, as you said, and I think you are affecting the chalk, is Justin Herbert week in another great matchup here with the Bengals and what could be a high-scoring game. He projects his chalk, and of course, Tom Brady there going against the Falcons. Last time we saw him, it was like fireworks down in Tampa Bay against the Falcons. That's what we got for quarterback thoughts and uh, running back wide receiver. What do we got? I mean, yeah, I can't argue with Herbert and Brady. They're both strong plays. It's good to see, like you said, the masses coming around, recognizing that Justin Herbert is just this elite boomer bust quarterback for DFS. Running back uh, on both platforms, it looks like Jonathan Taylor against Houston, James Conner, Joe Mixon and Austin Eckler from that Chargers Bengals game, uh, Jamal Williams with Swift out, Antonio Gibson with McKissick out, David Montgomery which uh, I think we both kind of think is not the not the best chalk to eat. Uh, there, there's better options out there. Indigestion, uh, if you eat that chalk. Indigestion, David Montgomery. Yeah, not that you can't play Montgomery, but uh, we both recommend you should be below the field on David Montgomery this week. Uh, Uncle Lenny, Leonard Fournette, he had his 47-point outbreak on DraftKings. He's now chalk. Uh, Josh Jacobs, a little surprise there, but he's chalky. Elijah Mitchell, not too much surprise there, but two na- two names that I want to add to this. I am very surprised. I'll get to some stats in a little bit that Alexander Madison isn't chalk against the Lions. And one other note is that Darrell Henderson has not practiced this week. He's probably going to be ruled out. No need to push it facing the Jaguars. And we'll, we'll mention the price tags when we talk about the Rams, but Sony Michelle is grossly mispriced and is probably going to be a bell cow in this one. Moving on to receivers, 
on DraftKings, it looks like, and FanDuel for the most part. It's Keenan Allen, Jalen Waddle, Deontay Johnson, Chris Godwin, Brandon Cooks. The, the cheap chalk this week is Jawan Jennings, so probably a pretty easy fade there. Basically, anytime there's a super chalky, inexpensive wide receiver, this is just a position that's the hardest to predict with, with crazy low hit rates for the, the chalk actually being the difference maker for your lineup. So pretty easy fade on Juwan Jennings on the Niners. T. Higgins, Tyler Lockett, Hunter Renfro, Mike Williams, Brandon Ayuk, Michael Pittman. And then on FanDuel, it's looking like LaVisca Chenault and Marvin Jones are going to be fairly chalk as well, partly because Stafford projects to be uh, what a, kind of in that next tier just below Herbert and Brady. So with, with more Stafford ownership on FanDuel, it looks like Chenault and Jones' runbacks are going to be chalky too. I'll pass it back to you for tight ends. Juwan Jennings, nothing is easier to do, Josh, than to fade resume deficient, cheap cheap chalk. That's what Juwan Jennings is. People are going too, too thin there. Tight end DraftKings, Cole Komet. I mean, he's hit a million targets the last few weeks, becoming really one of the few reliable options on a depth chart, by the way, which Josh and I'll get to with the Bears, which has a lot of blank spaces this week. Gronk, death taxes and Gronk. Don't forget about Foster Moreau. Last time he was overall tight end four this year when Waller was out. Waller's going to be out again. Kyle Pitts, at some point they have to get him involved, and he was involved against Tampa Bay on FanDuel. Pitts as well, Komet. Zach Ertz there with Arizona, absolutely an option. Remember, he was getting a lot of targets, especially with DeAndre Hopkins being limited. And Gerald Everett, who is the post-hype late-round tight end breakout candidate. We've waited all year, it looks like, the last couple weeks. Not a ton of yardage, but he's getting targets and he's getting touchdowns. Josh, we're even adding defenses this week, right? Chalk defenses. Yeah, we'll, we'll throw in the defense for the, the good people. On DraftKings, looks like the Cardinals are going to be pretty heavy chalk. They're facing uh, the Bears. The Buccaneers, who are facing the Falcons. The Dolphins, they're facing Glennon and the Giants. And then, of course, the Eagles. How could we forget? They're facing the Jets. Very similar on FanDuel. A couple defenses there also projecting to be popular would be the Colts. They're facing the Texans. And then the Chargers, who are facing the Bengals. And that one was a little surprising to me, but I don't know. Maybe they're they're inexpensive. So, you know what, people, I guess they'll play some Chargers. And let's jump into the games. We're going through each one, folks, so you have pros and cons and fill in your mind on the lineups that you want to set up. DFS, first one, Rams in a get-right spot after losing a few games in a row. Rams, minus 13 over the Jaguars are at home, 47.5 point over-under, so that's certainly robust. Josh will talk about in a minute. Daryl Henderson is out, so Sony Michelle, fire him up. Odell Beckham, I think, is going to play. He's had a hip injury, but it looks like he's going to maybe give it a go. It's a game-time decision. My my. Instinct is that he will play Rams ninth defensively in DVOA overall eighth against the run 12th against the pass. Very, very solid Jalen Ramsey, one of the highest rated cornerbacks this year. So of course he could really feast on Trevor Lawrence with some of those turnovers. Jaguar second most giving team turnover differential this year, minus 13 so far, plus minus in turnovers. Rams have a good defense in real life. They look good, but they do give up some fantasy points. Fourth most to quarterbacks, fifth most schedule adjusted fantasy points to wide receivers. So there could be points scored here for the Jaguars. We'll hear who Josh likes in a minute. Jags are the NFL's worst defense against the pass, which is not good against Matthew Stafford, who fought through some injuries and did post points last week against Green Bay. The reason they struggled were the turnovers. They kept giving short fields to Aaron Rodgers. Is this a get-right game for the Rams, Josh, and where's the DFS value? 
yeah, total get right game for the Rams. And I think what's just so reassuring about this offense when you, you throw them into your DFS lineups is that even in a game where they lose against the Packers, they don't even look that good. They still had guys get there in DFS. My my tournament winning lineup on Yahoo was actually a Stafford double stack. And it's because he still had over 20 fantasy points. OBJ had a nice game. Even Cup just... Who else has a 20 fantasy point floor like a Cooper Cup? It's incredible that you can just... I mean, if you ever want a cash game receiver, you just have to put Cooper Cup in there. And then for DFS, he's going to be viable. I like that the salary came down a little bit on Cup. It was getting up there last week. It dropped back down, even though... He showed that even when he's barely utilized until the end of the game, he's still going to get you 20 fantasy points. And I really think Stafford's just, he and Brady are in the same class. These non-mobile quarterbacks in very, very strong offenses that project to be very high scoring week in and week out. You just have to double stack Stafford. I would recommend rotating Cup, Beckham, and Van Jefferson as your two, as your three main uh, double stack partners. Tyler Higby, he's viable. The, the salary's come down a little bit for him recently, which is good. And then on Jacksonville, I don't even know if you need to run it back. I think Robinson is, he's probably my favorite option just because we know that there's going to be some guaranteed volume there. But the salary's a little high. Not a, not a huge Marvin Jones or Chenault fan this week. I think if you want the ultra cheap run back, it's uh, James O'Shaughnessy. He's basically the the minimum on both sites. And remember, he had an eight-target game before this, uh, whatever, the, whatever the Dan Arnold experience was. So O'Shaughnessy, just like Arnold, he, he did show that he could be very heavily targeted in this offense. And that was also while they had more health. Remember, there's no DJ Shark now. There's no Jamal Agnew. They are just decimated. That's why even Laquan Treadwell was getting a decent amount of looks this last week. And you might be wondering about Treadwell. Do not think he's a great DFS option. It's not that I don't think he can exceed his salary at 3,200 on DraftKings or 4,900 FanDuel. It's that he is projecting as one of the more popular cheap options. And you generally just want to fade those total boomer bust cheap receivers. Not very interested in Trevor Lawrence. And with Sony Michelle, it looks like I just got an update that Darrell Henderson did technically qualify as limited. It was looking like he would be a DNP for the third game, for the third uh, day in a row. He did get an LP, and I still think he is highly, highly questionable. Absolutely no incentive to push these guys when uh, the Rams are favored by, uh, what is it, minus 13. This is not really the, the game to push them. So I do think Sony Michelle will be getting the start, and he's going to just flip all the running back chalk because Michelle is 4,300 on DraftKings, and he's 5,300 on FanDuel. So imagine if Darrell Henderson was that price. You'd put him in pretty much every lineup, and I think that's ultimately what the public's going to do. If Sony Michelle Josh isn't chalk by the time we get to Sunday, people just aren't paying attention. Yeah, I, I think that's... Yeah, there, it, there's there's no way he's not going to be chalk. Someone Someone's going to hear... Even the casual people, I think, at this point will know. Just because... If it wasn't the Rams, I could see some people not being aware. But when it's one of these marquee teams, I do expect people to at least be plugged into the Rams. So I think whether or not whatever happens with this Michelle uh, situation, I really think the best way to play this game would still just be the Stafford double stacks. And then it's also just a great way to get off of 
what could be a, a 30, 40% played Sony Michelle. For a game that projects to be a polar opposite in some ways, Ravens favored by, I believe it is up to four now, four and a half at Pittsburgh. Look, the Mike Tomlin betting him as an underdog streak came to a flaming disaster end <laughs> last week, but it doesn't mean that you think this game should be a blowout. Let's not forget, I don't believe they're going to have TJ Watt because of COVID, but the Steelers under Tomlin, 12-3-2 against the spread as a home underdog. That's for Bet Labs. Remember, Lamar Jackson, four interceptions last week. The games between these two teams always close. Since 2010, 12 of the 22 regular season matchups have been decided by four points or, or less. The Ravens' last four games, folks, they've done it's done nothing to inspire my confidence. Let's let's remember they beat Minnesota at home by four. They lost to Miami on the road by 12. They beat Chicago by three, and then they beat Cleveland last week with all those turnovers. So I think there's going to be a back and forth here. It projects to be a low total. Right now the total is is down to about 43, 42. But, of course, you have Najee, Roethlisberger. Fryermuth, I believe, is going to play. He was practicing. And with the Ravens, of course, going to run the ball. Mark Andrews always viable. So a funny tweet this week, Josh, where somebody's saying Lamar Jackson's going back to pass. I'll just you know screw it. I'll just put it up there. I know Mark Andrews is out there somewhere. So he gets targeted. Marquise Brown. So what projects here? Black and blue division, big battle, Steelers, Ravens. Where do we go, Josh DFS? So I think one interesting trend that I noticed was we, we kind of talked about it as it's starting to look like this is just such an offensive juggernaut. It's a big three with Lamar. He's got Andrews. He's got Hollywood Brown. He's got Bateman. And I know gross game last week against Cleveland. But if we look at the usage, Marquise Brown and Andrews both had 10 targets. Brown 26 routes. Andrews 20 or Brown 26 routes. Andrews 27 routes. 10 targets apiece. And then Bateman, Watkins, Duvernay. 18, 15, 14 routes. Bateman only had four targets. I'm not sure if this was just a a one-game blip on the radar or indicative that they do believe in the stretch run that Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews are the two main focal points of this pass attack. But I think one thing is I'm definitely going to want to make sure I have some Lamar double stacks with Brown and Andrews. Yes, I'm going to rotate in Bateman, but... If you're telling me that there's the potential like we saw last week for 10 targets to Brown and 10 targets to Andrews, that's phenomenal. If you can cluster a a high-scoring offense and get 20 targets for two guys, neither of which is at a prohibitive salary. And then on the Steelers' side, uh, I saw Fryermuth practiced in full, so I assume he's either cleared concussion protocols or is just about to clear them. So I like Fryermuth. I like Deontay, who is just always open. I don't remember who said it, but someone called him 7-Eleven because he's always open. Yeah, And nice. I think that's just a great name for him. Deontay Johnson is just getting you 12, 13, 14 targets week in and week out at this point. And then Najee Harris, he hasn't had the big blow up game the past month, but it's always out there. He's still getting that outrageous usage where there's pretty much nobody else out on the field. And you might say, oh, he didn't get as many. He didn't get as much of an opportunity share this past week. I know it's because they got blown out by the Bengals. If anyone is scared about his workload because of what happened last week, they don't realize that you're going to pull your first round. uh, I don't even know if this is proper term, but your franchise running back. I don't know. Do we call them franchise running backs anymore? But (laughs) Jumbo shrimp. No. 
But yeah, no incentive for Harris to be out there. He is still clearly the workhorse. So I, I think that there's really nice runbacks. But I will say this, and I, you're, it's going to be a surprise. I'm going to play some Ben Roethlisberger this week on DraftKings. Wow, wow. Ben Roethlisberger's only 5K. And there's two things here. It's a very pass-heavy team for the most part. And we know Big Ben can get to 40 to 50 pass attempts. They do project to trail against Baltimore. And it's such a consolidated offense in terms of who to stack them with. You can pretty much rotate two of Deontay, Claypool, and Fryermuth. And it's going to be really hard for you to miss. If Big Ben gets there, you can pretty much guarantee two of those three are going to get there as well. So it's very nice in terms of being able to get it right. And that if Roethlisberger hits at 5K, which he doesn't even need more than like 18 to 20 fantasy points to do so, then very easy to get that right. So I will be playing some Ben Roethlisberger as well this week. Well, I know you're going to have this game up front as you're making your lineups. Cincy at home, minus three against the Chargers. Boy, these Bengals, Josh, they don't look great statistically as a team. I don't think Joe Burrow's even passing for a ton of yardage, but they just keep finding ways to win. They put a big number up coming off a bye at the Raiders, won that game last week, destroyed the Steelers. T. Higgins finally getting some positive regression there with the yardage and the touchdown. Should have had a second. Now they have the Chargers coming in. Very few injuries here and a high total, which is a DFS bonanza. Chargers are horrific at run defense. 32nd dead last in run defense DVOA, so fire up. Joe Mixon's going to be a big game. Chargers are strong against the pass. Second fewest schedule adjusted fantasy points to opposing wide receivers, so that's going to be tested with Jamar Chase and with T. Higgins. Bengals' rush defense has been pretty strong and better of late. They just came up a real nice response to Najee Harris, who had 14 receptions in their earlier matchup here. So Chargers-Bengals, what does it look like week 13? Yeah, so actually, I don't really like this matchup very much. I'm just kidding. This is going to be <laughs> probably the game of the week. I mean, I'm just I'm playing Herbert no matter what because I've mentioned before, he's probably giving you 25-plus fantasy points or 15 or fewer, which is exactly what you want in DFS, a quarterback where some people, the casuals look at the average fantasy points and they get scared away. But those of us that realize that ultimately you want the super high ceiling, Herbert has as high of a ceiling as any quarterback in the NFL this year. So going to be playing some Herbert double stacks. I love that Mike Williams' salary is staying down, especially on DraftKings. It's really easy to double stack Keenan Allen, who's been a total monster, and Mike Williams. Keenan Allen's at 7,500 on DraftKings, but Mike Williams is at 5,700. You were always able to stack them on FanDuel just because the salary there is a lot looser, but it's really nice on DraftKings as well to know that we can pull off that and it's not salary prohibitive. Eckler, in a great matchup, the Bengals allow a ton of fantasy points through the air to running backs and there might not be a better pass catching back than Eckler out there. So going to be playing a lot of Eckler. He is very viable to stack with Justin Herbert. And then on the Bengals side, I'm going to be playing some Burrow. And I still like these Chase Higgins double stacks. You can rotate in a little bit of Boyd, but again, just a much lower ceiling option where the way that Boyd gets there with the super low A dot is he's going to need a huge amount of targets. And if he's just getting peppered with close to the line of scrimmage targets, it's probably a gross game. So a guy that I'm probably going to have very little exposure to in this game out of all the main options. 
Jared Cook, still viable. He's just so cheap on both platforms. But I'm going to give you one more name as a fun dart throw that you could sneak into. If you play, I don't know, say you say you have uh, 20 Justin Herbert lineups. Maybe one or two of those, you throw in Josh Palmer. He's a fun dart throw. He's the minimum price. And for the first time this past week, I know it didn't show up in the box score because the historically inefficient Jalen Guyton was sort of efficient last week. But for the first time, Josh Palmer had more snaps and ran more routes than Jalen Guyton. Josh Palmer's actually a, it looks like a decently talented receiver. I, re- I still remember when he had that just alpha wide receiver touchdown catch from a few weeks back when he just snatched it out of the defender's hands. So I like him as kind of, if you're trying to get different now, I mean, we have to get a little different now because wow, people have caught on Justin Herbert's chalk Palmer, a fun dart throw in this matchup. This next one, I am having all sorts of trouble. I hate laying seven points in an NFL game, man. But Minnesota favored by now seven and a half at the Lions. Over-unders 46 and a half. We have seen the Lions in these spots get destroyed by the Bengals at home. The Lions have just struggled and now know DeAndre Swift. We know how vital he is to this offense. TJ Hawkinson going up against the Vikings defense that is the toughest in the NFL at limiting opposing tight ends. Just did that to George Kittle, even though they lost out in San Francisco. Who are we looking at? Josh Reynolds, Jamal Williams, and on the Vikings side, this Kirk Cousins offense is flying high, posting a ton of points here across the board every week. I think he's got like 13 touchdowns and one interception over his past five weeks. Detroit is 0-10-1 this year. They're 28th in total team defense, DVOA, 30 in total team offense. I mean, just not good. Minnesota 4-2 and against the spread in road matchups. Vikings-Lions, talk to me, Josh, here. Where are we going? So I'm not going to play any Jared Goff. Going to play a decent amount of Kirk Cousins. Like you said, he's just, the offense is really clicking. And I I talked during the summer. I said, it's going to be really hard for the Vikings to be as efficient in 2021 as they were in 2020. They were almost historically efficient with Kirk Cousins, which was was very surprising to me. And I have to say, didn't necessarily start off incredibly efficient this year, but right now the team is rolling and you couldn't give them a more dream matchup to put up 25 to 35 points pretty easily than the Lions. I like Cousins, uh, double stacks, Jefferson, Thielen, Conklin. It's very nice. It's super consolidated, which I love. So you know exactly if Cousins gets there, you know it's probably going to be two of those three guys getting there with him. And then let's talk Alexander Madison for a second because I'm surprised he's not chalk. Don't get you it. Would, you would think if Dalvin Cook was 7,600 on DraftKings against the Lions, he would be the chalk of the chalk. And I've got a couple Madison stats. Small sample. It's only three games where he's had over half the snaps, but it's also because... Uh, Dalvin Cook actually hasn't missed that much time the past two years. But in those three games where Madison is given the lion's share of the workload, like I am sure he will get in this one, he's averaging 24 carries, 3.7 red zone carries, 16 and a half routes run, six targets, almost five and a half receptions. This part is not a typo. 156 total yards on average He's averaging a touchdown a game in those matchups. And you might say, wow, that's pretty juicy. Yes, 26.3 PPR points on average. Unreal. I mean, you you are, 
You will be braver than I am if you are even remotely considering fading Madison at this point. I mean, we what we've seen in his two starts this year, this is an all-purpose back who's going to get all the touches. Very interested in Madison. On the flip side, like you said, Hawkinson just, it's not a great matchup. Very little touchdown upside. What are we doing with Hawkinson? There's other good tight end options this week. Josh Reynolds, another guy where he's going to be kind of a, a popular dart throw, cheap receiver. I think he's a little bit better than like uh, Jawan Jennings because I think he'll be the most likely the wide receiver one in this matchup for the Detroit Lions. But what does that even mean at this point? I mean, he's really just going to need a touchdown to get there and they might, it's, it could be hard to come by in this one since I just really don't think the Vikings are going to respect the Lions offense at all. I think Swift is one of the few running backs that does matter and that defenses are legitimately game planning against because there's just no other weapons in Detroit and Jamal Williams in the backfield, they they are just going to swarm Jared Goff. If you want the run back option, I know he's chalky, but I do think Jamal Williams is the best option, at least on DraftKings where he's 5,400. Not actually interested in him on FanDuel as much at 6,500 because it's not a PPR platform and touchdowns are more important on FanDuel. And it's just so hard to see touchdowns being scored by this Lions offense. With Jamal Williams, this past week, when Swift went out very early, Jamal Williams had 30 snaps, 15 carries, 15 routes, 5 targets. The other running backs not named Jamal Williams or DeAndre Swift, not 30 snaps, 7 snaps, 1 carry, 1 target. Jamal Williams, probably a bell cow. So that's why I think at 5,400, if you do want that free square running back and it turns out Darrell Henderson plays so you don't have Sony Michelle, Jamal Williams can be your guy. I know you're going to have a strong opinion on this next game. This game opened at Miami favored by three and a half points. When it opened at that line, I actually grabbed it against taking the points with the Giants. Joe Judge, nine and three against the spread as a road underdog. Daniel Jones, very good as a road underdog as well. All of a sudden, Daniel Jones, it looks like, may not play. This line, Josh, has ballooned to now six and a half. The Dolphins favored by six and a half. Over under is 40. I understand that people don't like Mike Glennon, but as Matt put out on Twitter today, don't forget about check down Charlie with Saquon Barkley here. So I like the Giants with these points from a betting perspective. I don't understand why the line has moved so much with Daniel Jones. Amari Cooper was out with the Cowboys against the Chiefs. Line didn't move at all. So Amari Cooper doesn't move the line, but Daniel Jones does. He hasn't played that well this year at all with the turnovers. And he's not running that much either because he's been injured. So I think this is a sell-high spot for the Dolphins. I think this game's actually going to be competitive. Giants defense is good against the pass. Dolphins can't run. Something's got to give. Jalen Waddell, of course, hit big last week. Where do we go here? Yeah, it's funny that you said that because I actually have talked a couple times this week about how I think the Giants are kind of a sneaky DFS play this week as a defensive unit where for some reason at this point, the, the public's looking, Dolphins have won, won a few games in a row and people are going, oh, they're just going to steamroll them. I don't think that's the case at all. Like you said, this doesn't seem to me like it's, I mean, it's in New York. It's not like you said, uh, or it's, I know it's Miami. in, oh, yeah. sorry, it's in Miami, but 
But still, it's not like uh, Daniel Jones has played particularly well. It's worth noting the Giants have lost to the following four teams in the last few weeks. At the Cowboys, the Rams, at the Chiefs, at the Buccaneers. Only game that really wasn't competitive there. Well, Jones got hurt against the Cowboys. That's when that game got out of hand, but it was close until then, was the Buccaneer game. They beat the Eagles, they beat the Raiders, they beat the Panthers, and they beat the Saints. So it's not like they're not playing well, right? Yeah, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And like you said with the checkdowns, I'm very interested in Saquon this week. Saquon is 6,300 on DraftKings. I know 7,200 on FanDuel, a little less appealing there because FanDuel half PPR, so touchdowns matter more. We generally want to, we prefer the stronger offenses on FanDuel, but I mean 6,300 on DraftKings. In the, the games last year where Mike Glennon played for the Jaguars, James Robinson, a far inferior talent, a far inferior receiver to Saquon, was averaging five receptions a game with Mike Glennon because he's not mobile. And when the pressure comes, he's not a fast processor and he's just going to dump the ball off to his 230-pound all-purpose elite talent, Saquon Barkley. So I really like Saquon as just a, a standalone play from this game. And then I do like some Tua Tagovailoa stacks because it's another offense where we generally know where the targets are going. We've got Jalen Waddle, who I believe he's now, I think he snuck into the top five in total targets on the season now for receivers. And he's getting priced up, but it's just still not high enough. He's only 6,400 on DraftKings, 6,900 on FanDuel. And I like that some people are, they're a little bit turned off at that price tag not realizing that this is essentially Deontay Johnson at this point. They're, if you look at their stats, they're basically indistinguishable. Excellent comparison. So you're getting a, a slightly discounted Deontay Johnson with a better quarterback under center in Tua than Ben Roethlisberger at this point. So Jalen Waddle, just such a smash play. Miles Gaskin, I keep saying it, he's just the most disrespected bell cow in the entire uh, NFL for fantasy. He's had some really good games recently. Could have a nice one in this. It's a pretty soft matchup. But I like that with Tua, you can stack him if you want with Gaskin, but that's pretty much just Waddle and Gesicki for the most part. And that those double stacks can really get you there. And if you want the, the sneaky play in this one, it's Durham Smythe. I said it last week that he was my punt play tight end. All he did was have five targets, two of them in the red zone, five catches for 32 yards, that's 8.2 points right there receiving on DraftKings. That'll get you there with your punt play. Adam Shaheen's doubtful, probably going to be out again. So if you want a, a double stack option with Tua and you want to go either Waddle or Gesicki and someone else, Durham Smythe is still there. So you could go Waddle Smythe if you want. Tony not going to play. Sterling Shepard even though he practiced early in the week, doesn't look like he's going to play either. I mentioned on first mover on, on Monday, I was like, oh, I'm excited. If Sterling Shepard plays at 4,900, he's not going to play, unfortunately. So it's it's pretty gross. We've got Galladay, Slayton. The, these Giants run back options are pretty disgusting outside of Barkley. One positive for Galladay, he commanded about a 25% target share in this past game, which is very promising because historically, he has just been a very low target share type of receiver. So that's good to see that at least maybe he has enough separation skills to get it done. It's also a quarterback change. Maybe that helps him. So I think if you want the receiver run back, you have to lean Galladay over Slayton. Slayton is just nearly the same price. He's within a few hundred dollars of Galladay on both platforms. 
That makes no sense. So if I'm if I if I can't if you say, hey Josh, you can't run it back with Saquon, I'm taking Galladay in this one. You mentioned about Jalen Waddle at player profiler, of course. Top five in receptions, 77 receptions, seventh in targets, 105, and first among all wide receivers in routes run. What a rookie season. Tampa Bay going down to Atlanta. Looks like the spread's 11, uh, over under 50 and a half points. No Antonio Brown because of the fake COVID card. Just ridiculous. But they still have a streamlined offense. They're a great offense. They're a prolific offense. And we know it's going to be Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Rob Gronkowski, and you mentioned it, Lombardi, Lenny. Falcons did keep this close last time, Josh. It was only 28-25 heading into the fourth quarter for the, the Tampa Bay opened it up. So down in Atlanta there, Mercedes-Benz Dome, looks uh, looks like it can be a, a big-time game with some explosion. Corderell Patterson, of course, alive and well. Where are we going? So first off, Brady double stack week. Here's your four choices. Just is it, rotate. Is it not? Is it ever not Brady double stack week? <laughs> you know what? That's a good point. There is not an opponent in the NFL where I would say we can't unless 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 I show up one day and Tom Brady's 10K on DraftKings, it's always gonna be Brady double stack week. So the four options, look, we're gonna keep it simple. You don't need to overthink it. It's Fournette, it's Godwin, it's Evans, and it's Gronk. I I have a lot of Antonio Brown on my teams. I mean, the the, the guy, for lack of a better term, the, the, his off-the-field uh, life is just a total shit show. So uh, d- not helping a lot of my best ball teams, that's very annoying. But at least with DFS, it's actually good when he doesn't play or when some, one of these uh, big-time guys doesn't play because then at least we can project a little bit more target consolidation. So it's really just those four, Fournette, Evans, Godwin, Gronk. When it comes to the runbacks, I'm looking primarily at Cordero Patterson and Kyle Pitts. And then if you want someone else, Russell Gage, not particularly interested in anyone else. So it's nice and consolidated there. And then I took heat for this last week when I said, I really like Matt Ryan against the Jaguars and people were trying to roast me on Twitter. I'm sorry. He had 190 pass yards. He had a touchdown. It would have been better except uh, against a Jaguars defense. That's actually been okay against the run this year. Cordero Patterson was just blasting them for 10 yards a carry and had two touchdowns on the ground. Those easily could have been touchdown passes by Matt Ryan. So I think this is another matchup where it's a pass funnel defense with the Buccaneers. Matt Ryan is still just so inexpensive. It's just tough to get a quarterback of his caliber at 5,600 on DraftKings. And it's a really, really tough matchup for the running backs in Atlanta. So I like once again, going back to the well and playing some Matt Ryan as well. And I think if you play Matt Ryan, you should double run back. It's going to be very tough for me to see Matt Ryan getting there and having a day without the Buccaneers also putting up points. So if you're playing Ryan, I really like Leonard Fournette as a run back with one of those big three pass catchers and that you really heavily game stack it if you're going the Ryan route. Washington and the Raiders. Nice game, 50 points. Close game. Spread is only two. Josh Jacobs, the targets are starting to get higher, so he's getting more involved. Poor one out for Kenyon Drake. I just can't quit him, Josh. I'm a truther. I don't know why. We mentioned Foster Moreau. (laughs) Antonio Gibson, uh, I literally hit that prop bet as you were talking, Josh, at the beginning of the show, so very happy about that. Terry McLaurin should feast. Logan Thomas is back. Could be a shootout here out in Vegas. What say you? Yeah, we talked about this a little bit pre-show. It's it's kind of nice that, at least with the Washington defense, it's 
I, I believe at this point they're now officially the the easiest uh, defense to get uh, passing and receiving fantasy points against. So very good for Derek Carr. I know we he lost Rugs. He's now lost Waller, but it's okay. We've got Deshaun Jackson who's just been tossed in the mix, and it's just such a cake matchup that I really have a hard time seeing Vegas not scoring points. And then Washington, they're actually I know they lost McKissick, but I think overall they're getting a little healthier. Logan Thomas will be in his second game back. Curtis Samuel's snap should rise once again. And I actually, I do think it's better for this offense that Gibson's going to be getting more touches. He's just such a home run threat anytime he touches the ball. You you never really want McKissick to have the ball in his hands over Gibson on any given play. And I always kind of thought McKissick was just there to kind of break up the Gibson workload. And because he'd always graded out as a better uh, pass blocker than Gibson. So I think just in terms of fantasy points, that's what you want to see with Gibson getting what should be just a very healthy workload in this one. So I think it's going to be pretty high scoring. About Josh Jacobs, the, the targets are ticking up and the routes are ticking up. The last three games, Jacobs is running nearly 21 routes a game and has over five targets a game. In those last three games, 21 routes for Jacobs, six routes per game for Drake and two targets for him. So Kenyon Drake's workload is, it's almost zilch at this point. Josh Jacobs is a total bell cow, it's looking like. Doesn't have a 20 PPR game yet. But remember, that's what we said last week with Higgins. And I said, you know, Higgins, he doesn't have that 20 PPR point game yet. But if you're getting eight plus targets from Burrow, you're going to get there. Higgins got there. Same thing with Jacobs. If you're getting the goal line work and a healthy amount of carries and you're running over 20 routes a game, you're going to have that big game at some point. So I like both the running backs in this one, Jacobs Gibson. And then I think both quarterbacks are viable, Hineke and Carr. Prefer Carr a little bit just because of how dreadful the the Washington defense is. I actually uh, wrote this up for the, the player profiler newsletter this week. Get on our email list for that. I said that my favorite game onslaught of the week if you want a kind of a cheap way to do it, it would be Derek Carr. I like the the Renfro Moreau double stack where you're just getting a ton of targets. Beautiful. It's a different way to play Moreau because yes, Foster Moreau will be popular, but you you double stack him with Renfro and Carr, and then just run it back with Gibson and McLaurin. McLaurin's been incredibly boom bust. I know he's been so frustrating for redraft, but that's what we want for DFS. Is McLaurin's basically getting you five to nine fantasy points or 25 plus. And that's what you want. And then with Gibson, he's going to get all the work. So I like the consolidation with McLaurin and Gibson as your runbacks in this one. San Francisco at Seattle just broke today. No Debo Samuel. The backfield, of course, roulette continues. Jeff Wilson, I'm still hanging on to a thread here, but Kittle is alive and well. And Seattle, of course, signed Adrian Peterson. Are you going to tell me, Josh, that he is viable? Gosh, I hope not. We don't need that. Seattle is desperate. DK Metcalf is not involved. He's got to get involved. Tyler Lockett is starting to warm up again as well. And Gerald Everett, we mentioned, for a cheap tight end play, he is always available. But a lot of cheap value here. Running back, where do you go? Brandon Ayuk, I think, is going to pop big time in, in the model. What do you think? Yeah, so first, let's start with just a wonderful Ian Rappaport uh, tweet <laughs> where he said, the Seahawks, they're in talks with Adrian Peterson because they are in, quote, win now mode, which is funny when, if you look at the NFC and we try and find teams with the worst record than the Seahawks, 
it's a one team list of the Detroit Lions who haven't won a game. The Seahawks have the second worst record. So I don't quite know what win now mode means. They have eight losses. So even if they win out at this point, they're looking at nine and eight. And I mean, I don't think they're going to win this one. I don't think they're going to win out. This is, they're, they're probably, I don't want to say probably because maybe I'm reading in too much of the reports, but there's at least, at least a decent chance Russ isn't even there next season. I mean, this is a franchise going in the wrong direction and the Adrian Peterson signing is just uh, icing on the cake. So why not Josh add more running backs, right? <laughs> That's the answer. Yeah, I actually had a good talk with Cody Carpentier uh, last week where we were discussing how frustrating it is that these teams that should be rebuilding end up bringing in these dusty veterans. The Seahawks, what what could you possibly be gaining from a mid-30s Adrian Peterson? With the Texans, what are you possibly gaining running David Johnson and Rex Burkhead out there as your running back duo? Some of these moves just make no sense. Now, back back to DFS. Yeah, I, I thought Brandon Ayuk was going to be heavy, heavy chalk, especially on DraftKings. He's priced up a little bit on FanDuel, 7000 but he's still 5600 on DraftKings. Right now, I have him projected for over 17 DraftKings points. My goodness, at 5600 I mean, there's there's no one else there. It's just Ayuk and Kittle. Apparently, people think it's Jawan Jennings. It's probably not Jawan Jennings. It's going to be Ayuk and Kittle getting a massive amount of the targets here. Elijah Mitchell, I think he's another strong play. However, note that the receiving work will probably come down a bit. Jamal Jamichael Hasty has been practicing. He should return. Likely going to take something away in the pass game, but I still think Elijah Mitchell is a great play. It's hard to believe. Yes, he's priced up. He's 7,600 on FanDuel. Don't love him there, but still only 6,000 on DraftKings for Elijah Mitchell. And I know that we just, uh, we've just uh, been roasting the Seahawks, but I think Russell Wilson is a good play on both platforms. We saw him get around 20 fantasy points this past week in a game that he didn't even play particularly well in. And that's just the upside that Russ has where even in a game that's low volume and he doesn't play well, he's still getting you about 20 fantasy points. So the the Niners, they're very good against the run. They're horrible against the pass. I like the idea of Wilson with Metcalf or Lockett. And then your double stack partner is Gerald Everett, who's just been a total target hog these last three weeks. I don't know what's happened, but Russ coming back, I don't know if there's some finger issues, but he has decided that he's just going to target the the short intermediate part of the field with Gerald Everett, who's getting more targets at this point the last few weeks than uh, Metcalf and Lockett, basically. So I like one of Metcalf or Lockett, throw in Everett, and then I kind of like if you're if you're playing Russ, there's probably gonna be some kind of points in this game. I like the double run back where you go Mitchell and one of Ayuk and Kittle. That's my favorite way to play this game. Only a three and a half point spread, 45 and a half point over under. So should be decent points and a close game, which is what we love. Josh, I'm laughing because I thought you changed the title of this next game from Indianapolis minus 10 at Houston to Jonathan Taylor, 14, 145 and two versus Houston, <laughs> versus Houston, which could very well be because that's the line he had in week six. Colts are favored by 10 at Houston, 45 and a half point over under. Tyrod Taylor is what he is. Disappointed me last week against the Jets after the big win against Tennessee. Brandon Cooks getting targets. Michael Pittman getting targets. Probably two of the top target shares for wide receiver ones that we have. 
but I think it's all Jonathan Taylor all the time. What do you think? Yeah, I, what Mike is referencing is I, I think I forgot to unbold one of my notes. So there's just this big bold note of Taylor's 145 rush yard, two touchdown uh, stat line against Houston in week six. I've been uh, notoriously taking unders on Jonathan Taylor. I think this is the week I'm flipping the script. I think his underdog uh, prop was around 120 scrimmage yards. I, I might have to take the over on that one at this point against Houston. There is no uh, running back, maybe no offensive skill player in the NFL that's playing as well as Jonathan Taylor right now. So really hard to to say no to him. The it's still he's very expensive. 9200 on DraftKings, 10,500 on FanDuel. However, there's not a lot of running backs out there that can give you up to 5 touchdowns like we saw a couple weeks back and someone that's a legitimate threat for 200 scrimmage yards any of these games at this point. So I like Taylor as a one-off play. I like both quarterbacks in this game. I think neither is price prohibitive, particularly on DraftKings. It's kind of crazy when you look at the the salary difference for someone like Tyrod, who's 5,300 DraftKings, 7,000 FanDuel. Makes you feel like you should probably play this game a little bit more on DraftKings. It's also probably going to be a little lower scoring overall, which lends itself more to DraftKings as well, rather than a half. PPR platform like FanDuel. I like Wentz. I think you can even stack Taylor in there. And I like Pittman. People are starting to sour on Pittman. He hasn't had the big game in the last few weeks, but still was the air yards leader on this team last week. He still had 10 targets, which led the team. No one else had more than seven targets aside from him. Pittman is still the best stack option with Wentz. And I still, hard for me to quit T.Y. Hilton. It's the Texans. He just feasts against this team year after year. So I like the 4,400 on DraftKings, 5,700 on FanDuel, T.Y. Hilton, if you want another stacking partner with Wentz. And I believe you kind of just run it back with Cooks or you don't run it back in this one. And that's totally okay. One more punt play tight end for you. It would be Brevin Jordan. He's basically the minimum salary on both platforms. It's not sexy, but... He had uh, several catches, Twenty, I think he had 23 yards, and he got in the end zone this past week. So there, there's something there with Brevin Jordan. He's a decently talented rookie tight end, but I'd rather just go Cooks or no run back. You don't really want to overthink this one too much when you're stacking Wentz. My wife says one thing to me in DFS when I put my lineups in is T.Y. Hilton in the dome. So if she has any say, Josh, you have to play T.Y. <laughs> Hilton, especially against the Texans. Two games left. Arizona coming off their bye. Hopefully they're healthy, refreshed, and replenished at Chicago. Favored by seven points, over under 45 and a half. Today, Cliff Kingsbury said Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins are true game time decisions. Thank you, Cliff. That is not DFS friendly right now. Andy Dalton is starting. Nick Foles is backing up because Justin Fields still dealing with an injury there, the rib. Cole Komet, six or more targets in five of the past six games. We talked about that. Allen Robinson is on the side of a milk carton, and their depth chart, as Josh will mention, is very thin on ESPN. So Cardinals coming off a bye. Windy City, Bears, where are you going here? So this is a this is a great game to totally fade. I don't believe I want to play any Kyler Murray. He's still really expensive. I'm shocked that some platforms think he's going to be a chalk quarterback. I don't know if that's on the platform for their projections or if that's on the public. What? What is the appeal of Kyler Murray when there's other great quarterback options? He's facing a, a fine defense in the Bears, and it's also an offense that will not be able to keep pace. 
I just don't see a lot of points being scored in this one. And also, I mean, the, it is just total bullshit that Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins have supposedly been game time decisions for like four weeks now. How, how are you a game time decision for four straight weeks? That right there is just pure manipulation. You cannot convince me that they were on the precipice of playing a month ago and still might not play today. So I don't know what's going on there. Hopkins still just isn't practicing, and that's really concerning. Kyler's back at practice. I think at the very least he plays, but still, a not 100% Kyler, maybe missing DeAndre Hopkins. I really just have no interest in these Kyler stacks. I think if you want something from this game, I, I think you either take James Conner or Zach Ertz, and you can do a little skinny correlation with either Cole Komet or Darnell Mooney. And I think Darnell Mooney's just mispriced. Darnell Mooney's 5,600 on DraftKings, 6,700 on FanDuel. The, the past three weeks at this point where Allen Robinson is just no longer in the picture, Mooney's had over 20 DraftKings points in the last three games. And he's had crazy air yards as well. I'm, I'm going to read a few things to you. Week nine, Mooney... 26 routes, six targets, three for 41 and a touchdown, 99 air yards, the wide receiver five. Then we have week 11, 32 routes, 16 targets. Oh, 16 targets, five catches, 121 yards and a touchdown, 219 air yards in that. He's the wide receiver four that week. And then 35 routes in week 12, Thanksgiving, eight targets, five for 123. 116 air yards again, the wide receiver 15 on the week. I I think at this point it has to be that he's on the Bears and that he doesn't have name value because Darnell Mooney is getting a lot of targets and deep targets. It's He's basically what we kind of wanted Calvin Ridley to be at the start of this season. That's essentially Darnell Mooney, someone where we say, you know what, he's going to get a lot of targets and deep targets. We don't know how efficient he is, but we know the big games are there. And the big games have been there for Mooney. So very passionate about playing some Darnell Mooney. Like Mike said, you got to play some Komet. Just the targets are funneling there. And then this, this Bears depth chart. So I was actually doing a little research. I went to ESPN to make sure I was, because I said, wow, I, I don't have a lot of names in my projections for the Bears receivers. The ESPN depth chart is basically saying that Allen Robinson and Marquise Goodwin are not going to play. And that there's... Darnell Mooney, Jakeem Grant, and Demir Bird. There is not a single other name listed in the receiver section. Of course, it's the Bears. You've got four tight end names. The, the list is deep at that position, but there's really just nothing there. So how can you stack Dalton when there's nothing there? Why are you playing Kyler Murray, who's not 100%, might not have Hopkins, and won't be forced to push the pace at all? This feels like a big stay away game to me. Andy Dalton with a shallow wide receiver core. That is a recipe for self-destruction. Last game, Philadelphia minus now six and a half at the Jets. Eagles go to the same stadium they were in last week against the Giants. Jalen Hurts very much up in the air, which is causing this line to fluctuate over under his 45 and a half points. Boston Scott has not practiced all week, so could it be that Miles Sanders is going to get fed? Devonta Smith is back at practice, though, for the Eagles here. So Jets-Eagles, our last game. A lot of uncertainty with Jalen Hurts. Eagles going back to the same stadium here, trying to get a win against the New York team. Yeah, it's definitely concerning with Hurts. I currently have him in for my projections. He's a, he's a top-five quarterback on the week because this Jets defense is just terrible. 
if he plays, I'm probably going to have to, I'm just going to have to play a little bit of Jalen Hurts. The matchup's just too good. But overall, not a game I'm super excited about. I do like Miles Sanders. I think this is an okay Sanders chalk week. And it's because the Jets are just so bad against running backs. Running backs this year against the Jets, they're they're averaging 112 rush yards, one and a half rush touchdowns, eight and a half targets, seven catches for 63 and a half receiving yards, and almost half a receiving touchdown a game. You want that in plain English? That's over 35 PPR points a game for running backs against the Jets. So, I mean, hello, Miles Sanders. Kenny Gainwell is just in one of the weirdest doghouses I've ever seen where you don't often see a rookie fifth round running back beginning to overtake a massive part of their round two running backs workload within the first couple weeks of the season, who then is suddenly relegated to a healthy scratch because of Boston Scott and Jordan Howard. I don't know what's going on there. Gainwell just really hard to trust. And I think with Miles Sanders, I know he's he's bitten you so many times, but if there is a running back with 25 to 30 point upside it, on this slate, that's really inexpensive. It's going to be Miles Sanders, 5,200 on DraftKings, 6,600 on FanDuel. You have to play some Sanders. I just don't love these Philly receiving options. It's consolidated. You can play a little Goddard. You can play a little Smith. Probably you're not going to play them if Hurts is out. Probably only playing them as well if it's with Jalen Hurts. And then on the Jets side, I think just Elijah Moore is probably your best option. Tevin Coleman, kind of a sneaky bell cow. He got the vast majority of the carries. He had several targets. It's It was really disappointing that Ty Johnson was just minimally involved, especially when you realize that it was at the expense of Austin Walter. If you want to see a backwards franchise, look no further than the Jets, <laughs> who have a probably sub 200 pound Austin Walter. They call him up. And next thing you know, he is their goal line back. Walter got the touchdown. I believe he had six red zone carries in this game. It was something crazy like that where I I couldn't believe the usage. I thought those were some Ty Johnson carries. So makes it a little easier though when Tevin Coleman gets all the work and you go, all right, if I want a super cheap running back, it's Coleman. If I want to play the actual talent, it's Elijah Moore, who I think is much better on DraftKings as a play because it's a low-scoring Jets offense. Elijah Moore is only 5,500 there. So if Hurts plays, if everything's healthy, I think you can do Hurts with Goddard or Hurts with Smith, maybe run it back with Elijah Moore. If Hurts doesn't play, definitely playing a lot of Miles Sanders in this one. And you could always have that skinny correlation with Elijah Moore. But overall, you don't need to overthink it. Not a great game. I will also mention that, yes, Ryan Griffin does have a very good matchup. The Jets tight end, Tyler Croft, is still out. And Ryan Griffin's been kind of sneaky. He's been getting you 20-plus yards, basically, every single game. And Ryan Griffin, he is 2,600 against an absolute sieve in the the Eagles' uh, defense against tight ends. So Ryan Griffin is playable in this one. Week 13, folks, it comes down to one thing. What chalk are you going to fade? What chalk are you going to eat?
I had this like funny kind of quote lined up that I was thinking of saying that was a funny one. But then no one, I was hoping people would talk about Kanae and Wong Wu, but no one's talking about him. And I just wanted to be like, if you're not going to eat the Madison chalk, but it didn't work because Madison didn't end up being chalk. But I was going to be like, if you're not eating the Madison chalk and you're galaxy braiding Kanae and Wong Yu, pick your favorite charity and just donate your money there because you're no good at DFS. I thought it was still funny, but then it was just like, why are you saying something that it, that doesn't even apply at this point? I'm still, pu- so. I'm still putting in the outtakes. I don't care. <laughs> but I was like, I feel like this is funny. And then I went, wow, apparently people don't like Madison. I don't know why. It's funny because we didn't like Madison early on in yes, the year because yes, it wasn't clear what his workload right. would be. But then it's like, if you show me both games this year that he's just getting the same, if not better of a workload than Cook, I mean, yeah, I'm going to play Alexander Madison. Yep. Josh gave me a preview of the optimizer before we got on. It is sick. I don't remember who said it, but someone called him 7-Eleven because he's always open. 